You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I think we're just going to have to accept that um, the times they are changing because um, stuff's getting just crazy out there. I was thinking about this when I was looking at... Um, these RAS scores that were put up by the edge rushers and the defensive tackles and the linebackers. And um, I think we just need to change the scale a little bit because we're getting to the point where there's just going to be a bunch of 10s, right? Everything's just a 10. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the salary cap. You know, when, when Brett Favre got his $10 million per year deal and it was like, this is unsustainable. Right, and then Rodgers gets a twenty million dollar deal uh, per year deal, and it's like this is completely unsustainable. How can anybody afford this? And we look at it now like that's not even money within the lifetime of his contract. We're like, dude, he's he's poor, <laughs> and that's just that that is similar to what happens with athleticism. Now there is an upper limit. I don't know where that is, but apparently we have not reached it. And granted, we're not necessarily growing by leaps and bounds in terms of, you know, guys used to run five miles an hour, now they're running fifty miles an hour. We're talking fractions of a second in the forty time and everything else, but it but it makes a big difference. We've got edge rushers today that are faster than what NFL wide receivers were not very long ago. And it's becoming more common. And it, you know, whereas last year you might have one or two guys doing these kinds of things, and it's like this guy's the biggest freak you've ever seen. Maybe five years ago there was a guy that did it. And it's like, well, that's why he's a massive freak. Now you got second, third round guys doing it. And it's like, you know, you marvel at the fact that he's a freak. And he's like, well, is he going number one overall? Like, no, he's probably second round guy. <laughs> what? It's like, yeah, I mean, he just, you know. So we have to keep changing our, our, um, understanding of these things but the fact of the matter is you've also got you know guys that have been in the league for five years ten years so this new blood that's coming in I mean it's not just a matter of guys are getting younger and younger players are better they're just coming in better the the young guys coming in today going up against guys 10 years ago both of them in their prime this generation's probably going to win I mean maybe not I mean there's still the element of better football players, but if you're just talking athleticism just as a baseline, these guys crush everybody. I mean, it's just been down the line. This has been, you know, I came into this whole thing going, you know, there's, there's not a lot of excitement with this draft class. There's just not as much buzz as in previous years, especially with like top end prospects. But you look at it and it's like, well, maybe the reason there's no real high top end prospects is because everybody's just kind of on an even plane. And that plane is pretty freaking crazy. We watch wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver just blow everybody away with, you know, once in a generation talent or athleticism, at least. Again, we're just talking athleticism. A lot of these guys that are super fast are going to come into the league and suck. 
but the also the the odds of of a really high hit rate, the odds that there's going to be instead of maybe just one really good guy or you know one Tyreek Hill, there might be two or three or four. Again, not exactly Tyreek, but a guy that can actually use the athleticism to be a really good and hard to stop prospect. We watch the tight end after tight end after tight end, and again freak after freak after freak after freak, and it's like how many first rounders are eh, zero? None of them, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth round guys. Guy that's six foot seven, you know, runs a four six one. He's you know a third round pick maybe. We even had a quarterback that was just blowing everybody out of the water. Ritter. Then we watched the offensive lineman come in, and again, guy after guy after guy that we we, we heard about how um, you know we knew the wide receivers are going to be great, right? Then the offensive lineman come in, and I looked at him like, oh, there's actually a lot of uh, really high up, blah blah blah, and everybody's real hyped up. Like you got to check these guys out, and they blow everybody out of the water. Running backs, maybe not as much, but again, there, there's plenty of guys, and they, they might just continue to fall, too. Again, you want to talk about really good late-round talent because there's so much other talent out there. There's so many elite tackles, at least in terms of guys that are going to just turn GM's heads where it's like, I can't, I, I'm sorry, I know we already got a tackle, and I know this running back is really talented, but there's another guy. There's another tackle, and, and we could maybe, you know, see what happens. And he's one of the most athletic freaks we've seen. And I just feel like we should probably take another one. We could play one of them at guard or something. I don't know, man. We got to take him, though. It's just going to push these running backs even further down. And again, it's not because they're bad. You put these guys in another draft class and you got second, third rounders. In this class, it's third, fourth, fourth, fifth. I don't know. They're just regular guys. <laughs> well, not even all of them, but. Right, but you got the guards doing crazy stuff. You got a bunch of tackles doing crazy stuff. And maybe one of the best offensive linemen in this class is a center. Then we get linebackers, defensive tackles, and edge rushers. And, and basically, Georgia by itself just crushed everything, every single thing. And it, even when the day started, everyone's like, this is going to be the craziest group of them all. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. I knew, you know, a little less than a year ago when I looked at the class, I said, this is an edge rusher class. That's what it is. And that slowly changed over time. A lot of these edge rushers lost a lot of the excitement. They started to slip into the second round, whatever. You still got the two guys at the top and a couple of others mixed in here and there. But there was a time in which like 15 of the 32 uh, top prospects were edge rushers. It was insane. And it was like four or five out of the first 10 were edge rushers. Well, apparently that has changed only insofar as people have shaken up their big boards for various reasons, but maybe it shouldn't have. Because again, everybody said, just wait until you see these edge rushers and defensive tackles, because this is the cream of the crop. This is, this is the best group in the entire class. And I didn't necessarily believe it. But here's uh, Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah talking about, um, talking about just, just Georgia and what they were able to do. The long-standing question that really doesn't have an answer of who let the dogs out <laughs> got an answer today, and it's the 2022 NFL scouting combine night number three. What a day. Yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs won a national championship. I think they just won a combine championship this mm -hmm. evening with what they did. Uh, Jordan Davis, you're not supposed to be 341. Let me, let me just pause there. Jordan Davis, and you, the first time you may have heard Jordan Davis, if you were paying attention to any of the chalk talk stuff we had done, but um, Sam, who was helping us out with that, was talking a lot about Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis was a just a really big defensive tackle. I've talked about him in terms of his stats are not overly impressive via PFF. He grades out fine, but he has a 69 pass rush grade, 14 pressures on 221 attempts, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you got to understand this is 
This is the 340-pound guy who um, is not just chasing the quarterback 24-7, let's just say that. Between double teams and other just assignments that he has, it's not really his number one goal, but um, six foot six, 340 pounds. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Pounds and move at this speed. You run in the four sevens when you're 230 pounds, not when you're 340 plus pounds, but that's what he did. Never seen anything like it before. And he goes through the field drills and, and showed you some more of that athleticism. Again, this is a wave drill. Used to seeing guys that are, you know, DBs, linebackers, performing that drill and looking comfortable. Here he is at six foot six, 340 plus pounds doing it. Just gracefully going over the bags. My phone was blowing up from general managers. And you just, wow, with exclamation points. Never seen anything like it. You see him bend here. And he goes through the hoops, pick up the towel, as Rich wants his kids to do at home. Exactly right. We're going to do the hoop drill. You got that? We'll get you some mini hoops Thank that you. we can use yes, sir. at home. But that was... So you obviously can't see this, but I would encourage you to go find the videos of him running these drills. It's unbelievable, especially when you watch him as compared to other defensive tackles who are just doing the drill like normal. These are really uncomfortable drills that they're doing that really doesn't even translate very much to what defensive tackles are going to have to do. You're not going to have to do a lot of this stuff, but I mean, he, he easily looks at least as good as some really good edge rushers as far as his ability to do these drills and how smooth he looks. His ability to change direction on that frame is just stupid. Well, it's just the first of, of several Bulldogs that put on a show. Devontae Wyatt actually even ran faster. That's true. Which is incredible. So explosive. You can see it here. Look at how he's put together, getting off the ground quickly. See how much burst he has. This is, is somebody that I think is going to find his name called somewhere in the top 20 by the time we get to the end of April in Las Vegas. You're looking for dynamic interior pass rushers with explosiveness. He fits the bill, Rich. And I think there was so much talk about Jordan Davis because he's so enormous. This is still a 300-pound man moving like this. And we're not done. Haven't seen anybody over 270 pounds do what this man did at the Combine. Trayvon Walker was outstanding. And then look at him move here. This was the most impressive part at Georgia. Yeah, they use him inside. They'll rush him a little bit on the edge, and then they'll drop him in coverage where he can show off his overall athleticism, and he showed all those skills today here in Indianapolis. I think he's going to be a, a lock top 10 pick when it's all said and done. I think he secured that spot today with a phenomenal, phenomenal workout. So, again, that is a – Trayvon Walker is the guy that we're talking about at the very end there. As of right now, Trayvon Walker is seen as, let me find him here, pick 28 overall, so right where the Packers are. A lot of these guys had started falling, and again, I don't think it's because GMs expected him to fall. I think it's because people just, I don't know, either they turned on the tape and don't know what they're looking at, which is very obvious with a lot of these media guys, or they just get bored and start shift, changing things and allowing people to change their opinions on things. But um, Trayvon Walker slowly drifted. Let me Let me look at his history here real quick. Um, he was, uh, well, I don't know, I guess it only goes back so far. It goes back to November. So maybe before November, he was a little higher, but, um, sitting at 24 is the highest I can find him at. But bottom line is you just heard him there, especially based on that athleticism. You're looking at a guy that's going top 10. Now, again, this changes everything. We go back to saying, well, there's no way Chris Olave makes it. What if a guy that was supposed to be taken at 28 goes in the top 10? How does that change things? What if Jordan Davis is also a top 10 pick or a top 12 pick because of what he just did? By the way, that's, that's not even all for Georgia. You, you've got, um, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players from Georgia. The lowest RAS score of these nines was George Pickens at 8.41. George Pickens had a great combine. He had the worst combine of all of Georgia. Justin Schaefer, offensive guard, 8.7. James Cook, the running back, 8.7. Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle, 9.63. Fourth worst. Fourth worst at a 9.63. Quay Walker, linebacker, guy that we didn't even talk about, 9.66. Zamir White, the running back, 9.82. Channing Tindall, 9.82. Trayvon Walker, 9.99. And Jordan Davis, 10.0. Again, this is this is more common across the board than in previous years, but Georgia in general, they stacked up with the most athletic freaks in the entire country, and they're coming into the NFL now. But it's just crazy to think, because if we took any one of these, and, and we... Jordan Davis would be fantastic. Just Georgia. How many of these guys are going to be available when it comes to our pick? Jordan Davis, defensive tackle. Trayvon Walker, defensive end. How about Channing Tindall, the linebacker? Is he going to be available? He's supposed to be. He's he's a second round, third round pick right now, but we'll see. But here's the other thing. There's another Georgia guy, Nicobe Dean, that didn't even run. What would he be? Is he going to be available? Is Devontae Wyatt going to be available? Is George Pickens even going to be available? We assume he is. But here's one, two, three, four guys just out of Georgia that if they make it to the Packers and the Packers pick them, that's a good pick. And we're not even talking about Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Kemakwanu, Stingley, I guess, Ahmad Gardner, Charles Cross, David Ajabo, uh, George Karloftis, Garrett Wills, all these other guys that were saying, no, they can't make it, they can't make it, they can't make it, they can't make it somebody's going to make it. I mean, if you just look at edge rushers, you got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys that were in the nines, including Trayvon Walker at 9.99. If the Packers want a pass rusher, they can find one. Trayvon Walker isn't going to make it. Okay, Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to make it. Okay, what about Amari Barno, guy that absolutely tore it up at the combine? He ran a 4.3740. I think his official was 4.36, so it was actually faster. He had a perfect 10 on that with an elite grade. This guy is six foot four, two forty-six. Not the biggest guy in the world. Generally you went for one a little bit bigger. But he runs a four three six. You put ten pounds on the guy, what's he gonna run? A four four? So what? I think the Packers are gonna trade uh Aaron Rodgers just because they need more picks because they're just in love with this class. I'm kidding. It's sarcasm, but seriously this this is a Green Bay Packers draft dream. Everybody is an athletic freak. Barno, by the way, 32 pressures on 282 attempts, only three sacks, which is surprising because you would think with that closing speed, you'd be able to get him down, but nothing wrong with the pressure numbers. How about Nick Bonito? That was a guy that was, um, he's kind of been, he was 30s to 40s before. He's been drifting downward, downward, downward. But again, the guy ran a 4-5-4. By the way, that's a 9.8, still an elite speed guy at almost the same height and weight, 6'3", 248. Just, to go, just goes to show you how crazy um, Barno is. 4'5", 4, 4 is elite speed at that size. He's running in the 4'3s. But this is, this is elite speed. Not to mention, the, I mean, the explosion uh, and the agility were elite. I mean, he, he had terrible size grades because he's only 6'3", 248, still ended up with a 9.5. 35 and a half, half inch vertical, a 10 foot broad jump, a 423 shuttle, and a 7.073 cone. His lowest RAS score of 
anything on here that I can find is his three cone, which was an 8.59. He just crushed it. And we're talking about a guy that is supposedly a back of the second round guy. If you want somebody to be excited about, by the way, um, Nick Bonito, 52 pressures on 264 attempts and eight sacks. This guy's got the numbers to back it up. He's sitting at a 20% sack rate. By the way, his grade, 90.5, and that wasn't a fluke. Last year, 88.4 with a 93.6 pass rush grade. The year before that was a 79. The year before that was a 66 when he didn't really play very much. But just a straight, uh, straight ascension. Four years getting better every single year. The last two years, basically elite. And his number one uh, grade, the most important grade, pass rush, that was his best grade. Those, those are all the check boxes for me. Have you played consistently? Are you continuing to get better? And is your best asset the thing that's the most important? If you're a corner, is your coverage your highest grade? If you're an edge rusher, is your pass rush your highest grade? It is for him. 72 overall grade in 2019, 93.6 in 2020, and a 92.5 in 2021. He dominates with pressures. I mean, even back-to-back eight sack seasons is not bad, but it's just low compared to how many pressures he got. But the pressures are just astronomical. You've also got guys like MyJ Sanders, David Ajabo, uh, George Karloftis, all of them had great athletic scores. And again, we get into this, well, yeah, but those guys aren't going to make it. Okay, let's let's make a list of all the guys that aren't going to make it. In fact, I'm going to make a list right now as we go along just to see how many we get where you're like, yeah, but I don't think they're going to make it. No, no, I won't. That takes too long. But you, you, you get my point, right? I mean, even if we just use this um, big board right now and say, okay, well, the top 27 aren't going to make it. Okay. Well, we assume Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt are going to be gone, so we have to push them up. So we get to take two guys in this group out of that group that aren't going to make it. Trevor Penning, for one. Chris Olave, Nicobe Dean, Jameson Williams, Andrew Booth, Trent McDuffie, the corners, Kenyon Green. Who's coming out? Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher? Drake London, Traylon Burks. Who's coming out of that group so that we can put Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker up in the top 15-ish? How about Christian Harris, the guy that I've been kind of dunking on since forever that I'm just, I, I don't really see the what's so special about him. Alabama linebacker who absolutely tore it up. 4-4-4 speed. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if you've got a um, linebacker next to a guy like Devondre Campbell that can run with wide receivers, literally. 4-4-4 is wide receiver speed and cornerback speed for that matter. Maybe not Packers corner speed, but most other corners. <laughs> Well, I mean, Kevin King. Kevin King's 4-4-3, which is, by the way, fantastic speed for a guy that's 6'3", 200 pounds. Christian Harris is pretty small for a linebacker, but he's still 226 pounds. That's a lot of weight moving around. And again, this is a guy that's fallen into the second round. You know, the next best defensive tackle on the list, Logan Hall, with an, it, it, more elite speed and elite um, agility. 6 foot 6, 283, runs a 4.88. You got Marcus Mosier on here saying, give me Logan Hall on day two every day. Steal. And again, you got Peter Schrager saying, these defensive tackles and tackle numbers are insane. Logan, Logan Hall of Houston just ran a 4.84, which would have broken records just a few years ago. But he just got cast aside. Nobody's even talking about Logan Hall. This is just the next best guy on the list. I'm just going down the list of guys, defensive tackles, line, you know, just random stuff that we might be interested in. And again, you get another freak. You're going to push him into the first? Well, no, he's a first-round guy now. Okay, then who's coming out? Charles Woodson said, are these guys running downhill at the combine? (laughs) And if you just look at the top prospects, and again, this is going to change, but it's just all guys we want. You got Bernard Raymond, you got Christian Harris, you got Logan Hall, you got Darian Kennard, tackle, 
Drake Jackson, edge rusher, Jaquan Brisker, safety, George Pickens, wide receiver. David Bell's going to fall. Um, you know, you got Trey McBride. You got uh, Fayalele, the, the tackle. Cam Thomas, Lewis Seen, Travis Jones, defensive tackle. Petit Frere, the offensive tackle. Fedarian Mathis, the defensive tackle. Jalen Weidermeyer, the tight end. So, you know, and, and understand, the Packers are, are not um, in any way averse to taking guys that are seen as second-round prospects, because, you know, just like last year. Absolute freak show human being at cornerback who was seen as a mid-second-round pick. The Packers said, with that athleticism, the sky is the limit with him. We're taking him. Well, who would that be this year? I don't know. Take your pick, dude. Throw a dart at anybody between 33 and 64. Probably going to hit a freak. Eric Stokes last year was sitting on this list at 46 overall. You got George Pickens right there at 45. You got David Bell at 46, but again, he's not going to be there. So again, the, the, the great thing about this is we started off looking at wide receivers and tight ends and said, man, that sucks because all these guys just raised their draft stock to the point where we're not going to be able to get them anymore. And maybe that's true until all these other guys went and pushed them right back down to where they were. <laughs> and so again, the, the, the really exciting thing about this is when 27 guys are gone, there's going to be such a massive pile of great players. And some of them are going to be surprising. And that doesn't even factor in quarterbacks going that probably shouldn't because teams are desperate for quarterbacks. Are the Broncos going to take a quarterback because they're desperate? Remember, these aren't bad quarterbacks. It's just you're missing out on some pretty insane stuff here when you're taking quarterbacks that are just kind of ho-hum in a bad quarterback class. Again, I'm talking relatively. It doesn't mean one of these guys isn't going to be an absolute freak. I would be ecstatic if uh, Matt Corral went to somewhere not in the NFC North and did a great job. And even still, we still have defensive backs that have to go today. So we're going to start getting hyped up about corners and safeties now. There's going to be guys that, you know, similar to what we saw late first uh, round guys, Daniel Jeremiah sitting there saying he's a top 10 pick for sure. And again, in his mind, he probably always was. We just have been getting it wrong, which again is why when we sit here and listen to the media and everything they say and just take that as absolute fact, we're idiots. We're looking at a guy saying, oh, he's probably around. He'll maybe be available. Um, He might even be a second round pick. And Daniel Jeremiah and a lot of other scouts around the NFL are like, you are stupid. And let me elaborate on that for a little bit, all right? Here's just a couple examples. Tankathon. I have no issue with Tankathon. I like him as a resource. They had him going 23rd to the Cardinals. Doug Farrar, 56,000 followers on um, Twitter, works for USA Today, had Trayvon Walker going 30th to the Chiefs. I'm sorry, actually 28th to the Packers. I was looking at the wrong one. Bucky Brooks, NFL.com, 32nd to the Lions. There's a couple other smaller ones that I'm skipping because it's there, but still, you've got again um, Paul Banks, 30th to the Chiefs. You got Andrew LaLama, 24th to the Cowboys. You got Vinny Iyer, 24th to the Cowboys. You got Joe DiTulio, 30th to the Chiefs. You got Draft Tech, sending him 30th to the Chiefs. Ryan McChrystal over at Sharp Football um, Analysis, 28th to the Packers. Draft Countdown had him 14th. Ryan Wilson of CBS had him 17th. You got uh, Cam Meller of Pro Football Network saying 30th to the Chiefs. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, 23rd to the Cardinals. Zach Petras, Sports Illustrated, 24th to the Cowboys. This is all like within the last week. NBC Sports, Thor Nystrom, 21st to the Patriots. Um, Mason Thompson, 22nd to the Packers. Now you got several that that see didn't necessarily go with the uh, the consensus. 
You had Dalton Miller of Pro Football Network putting him fifth to the Giants. See, and I love that stuff because even that might be too high, but you know what? He's saying, I don't care. I think he's worth it at number five overall. And everybody else just looking at where he's ranked just generally, that's way too high. He doesn't care. Brad Weiss of Fansided, 10th to the Jets. Mike uh, Jorant of Clutch Points, 9th to the Broncos. Uh, Walter Cherapinski, a guy that's constantly ridiculed for not knowing what he's talking about, 7th to the Giants. His counterpart, Charlie Campbell, Walter Football, 7th to the Giants. The vast majority of people are 20s and 30s. Uh, Randy Gersey of NFL Spin Zone, 4th to the Jets. And again, if I did a mock draft and I had him going 7th to the Giants, do you know how many people would absolutely obliterate me? You know why? Because the consensus is he's ranked about 28th. And you know what? I would be right, and everybody in the comments section would be wrong. And furthermore, once he gets picked in the top 10, if it wasn't for the combine, if the draft was two days ago, and nobody ever saw what he did, and Trayvon Walker went 7th to the Giants, they would get mocked and ridiculed for being complete idiots. Giants fans would lose their mind. They would start burning jerseys. They would start declaring allegiance to other teams. Why? Because the media told me he's like a late first-round pick, and we took him in the top 10. We're idiots. Okay, but your, your NFL GM with his NFL scouting staff said he's worth the number seven overall. Maybe you t- listen to them a little bit more. Doesn't mean they're not stupid. People do lots of stupid stuff. But the, uh, the, 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 the fact that you think you know because some guy at CBS Sports said so is a little crazy. But the point is, there's a lot of guys to get excited about. And we got one more day tomorrow of sort of recapping um, what took place at the Combine. And then we really get to start to dig in to some of these prospects and get excited about them and learn about them. And um, hopefully this year, my goal this year is we're going to draft guys and we're going to start doing backflips rather than what I've done the last three years in a row, four years. When was the last time? I, I think I've said it before. The last time I was really excited about a draft pick was HaHa Clinton Dix because that was a guy that was, you know, we needed a safety so desperately. We had the worst safeties in, I mean, like the two worst were both on our team. There was only going to be like one really good safety, and he was never going to make it to us. And then a couple other safeties started getting hype, and he started dropping, and our pick came up. He was still available, and I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, We're, we might do something stupid here, but it has to be him, right? They called his name, and it was just it was just like perfect. You know, everything came into, we only need one thing. There's only one guy. He's available right when we're picking, and we picked him. It just, it was perfect. Except, you know, HaHa Clinton Dix in the grand scheme of things, although I'm a bigger fan of HaHa than most people, clearly was not our best pick over the last 10 years. I think there's a lesson in that too. But we'll take some time. We'll get excited about um, some of these prospects. And hopefully not just the first round, but the second round, third round, we start uh, start getting super jacked up about some of these guys. But that's going to take time. Good thing we have 53 days until the draft. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? Um, I didn't really go through every single prospect like I have in the past because there just wasn't a lot of notes. I mean, specifically about this prospect or that prospect, um, just generally a bunch of freaks, especially the guys at the top, and there's going to be some upward mobility. That's another thing I'm going to keep track of is um, some of the changes. And there's this, it's already started, but not quite enough to make note of it. It's a lot of random things. But over the next days, the next week, you're going to start to see a lot of uh, a lot of movement. So Anyways, please remember, uh, thank you, by the way, Dennis, for your $20 donation. Please remember to head over to uh, my Twitter pin to the top there. You'll find a GoFundMe for Drew, trying to help Drew get his seizure service dog. We are just about halfway there. And again, I just, uh, you know, you think about how much that's going to mean to him. 
how life-changing that is. You know, I, I don't have those kinds of needs in my life right now, and, and sometimes people come across difficulties and they need some help, and I'm just hoping we can reach out and help. We're also raising money for Jamie and Carter, who are in a terrible uh, car accident. It was a car that crossed over the center line and uh, hit them head-on. They had to go fr- a flight for life um, to a hospital. And according to the latest update, they still have uh, quite a long road for recovery. But um, in the last day, we've got $100 from Sherry, 20 from Anonymous, 20 from Laura, and $100 from Jylene. So uh, if we could do our part and try to get in there and help raise some money, um, we've almost reached the entire goal, which is fantastic. They have a $10,000 goal. We're at $8,340. So we should be able to get there relatively quick. Also, don't forget about A Modern Frontier. You can get yourself some meat, which I've been devouring. Finally starting to rip through my uh, meat supply, which is glorious, so I get to buy more soon. But uh, go check out modernfrontier.com. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. You get $25 off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we've got some more news, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers is leaving. He's staying. He's found a new team. He's staying with this team, and he's going to retire. I, look, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. It's it's just so stupid. So um, I think it was Florio. And this is the other thing. I mean, it, it's I'm wondering where these people are getting their information because now we're to the point where the media, within five minutes of each other, are breaking news, and it's completely conflicting ref- news. You've got Florio coming out saying um, there's already deals on the table, ready to go. Steelers, Titans. Um, now i got to look it up. Oh, Broncos, duh. Or obviously the Packers. But those other three, the, the package is already, it's already been secured. 
It's already like we we got it. If he wants to go here, we just push a button and it's done. We already have the 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 details. Now, leaving aside the part that th- that doesn't seem correct, that doesn't feel right. I mean, the the assumption is that they've already talked with Aaron Rodgers, which is not necessarily violating any rules because they just need uh, permission from the Green Bay Packers in order to talk to Aaron Rodgers. And apparently that was given to these teams. So they've talked with Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers knows what the other teams are offering. And um, so that's already been squared away. So then from that point on, let's say you're the Broncos. So you, you want to make sure Rodgers wants to be there. So you say, okay, would you be willing to come here? We'd be willing to do something like this, whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, something like that, whatever. I don't know. And they're like, all right, well, that works for me. So then they put together a package and they talk to the Packers and they say, would you accept this? You know, and we're like, yeah, I guess that would work. If he wants to go there, we can, we can make that work. So we've worked out several deals already, and Roger just has to pick which deal he likes best. If he decides Broncos, then we accept their deal. If he decides Steelers, we accept their deal. If he decides Titans, we accept their deal. Um, then you've got, uh, what's his name? Bill Huber, I think it was, made his own article saying the same thing because he got his information from Florio. And I bring that up because it's important because you kind of wonder where people are getting their information from, because sometimes they're not getting information from a source. They're getting information from somebody who got information from somebody who had a source. So Huber is not breaking any news. He's just rewriting Florio's article, which I hate when people do that, by the way. Not saying he isn't adding additional context, but there are literally articles you click on and they're like, well, based on this report from here's the article, this is what, and it's like two paragraphs. It's like, you're an idiot. You're just, <laughs> whatever. I think it might be Florio that does that the most, actually. It's, he'll write two paragraphs with like a link to the other article, but he still gets his clicks. Um, and then within a matter of no time at all, in other words, almost immediately after this whole thing blew up, you have Adam Schefter tweeting out, with the start of the new league year 11 days away, the Packers still have not engaged in any trade scenarios regarding Aaron Rodgers and are awaiting their quarterback decision per league source. He continues on, if Aaron Rodgers decides he wants uh, to he traded, I'll read it as he wrote it, it will be easy enough to get it done. No need for the Packers to engage in trade talks before then. If Rodgers wants trade, he will get trade quickly. Now, JJ had speculated that this is um, Adam Schefter simply reporting what Rob Domofsky had reported, which is that the Packers had not engaged in any trade talks. However, if you look at what Rob Domofsky had said, even in his tweet, as well as just in um, when he asked the question, the answer given by Brian Gutekunst is that nobody had talked to him at the combine. So what Adam Schefter here is saying is not the same thing. Now, it's possible that he's misreading what Adam Schefter said and is elaborating on that. In other words, or is, he's looking at what Rob Domofsky said and is elaborating, kind of like what we have all done. Well, we're like, nope, I already have a source, and my source says they haven't talked to anybody. In, re- in reality, he's talking about Rob Domofsky, and in reality, he's misquoting that, because that's not what Rob Domofsky or Brian Gutekunst said. However, if you take Adam Schefter at his word, he's saying the Packers have not engaged in any trade scenario regarding Aaron Rodgers, not at the Combine, not anywhere. So again, I don't know. I have no idea if Schefter is just like, nope, Rob told me something else. And it's like, well, Rob actually didn't mean that. But that also doesn't mean that Florio's correct because Florio's probably not correct. And f- the fact of the matter is he's been fed so much garbage and he runs with all of it. This kind of sounds like garbage. First of all, forget the Rob Domofsky thing. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound, what, the, the scenario that I said to you, does that make sense to you? That Aaron Rodgers has been on the phone with the Titans, the Steelers, 
and the Broncos, they've all worked out packages and, and they're all settled and they already know what the compensation for him is going to be. And all three of those teams have talked with the Packers. They've worked out trade scenarios and they've got that all figured out. And they're ready to go. And they're just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to pick a team between those four. Does that sound like it's a real report? Does it sound like a real report considering the Tennessee Titans said they have no interest in Aaron Rodgers because they're going to go ahead with Ryan Tannehill? Maybe they lied. I don't know. But but this is so far, so far away from every bit of information we have. Even if the Rob Domofsky thing isn't true, we've heard from the Packers consistently. They have not taken any calls. They're not interested in having any calls. They're not trading them. They're not moving them. We've never heard any report that the Packers, and anyone that held up, that the Packers have done anything, especially to go so far as to actually make deals. It's a done deal. And if Roger says, I want to go to, to the Broncos, it's already done. Like Schefter said here, there's no reason to do that. If he says, I want to leave, you can work out a deal. So why does it have to be right this second? It doesn't. So what the heck is Florio talking about? Well, he got fed information from somebody, and that somebody's probably lying, which has happened 500 times already. In fact, I think I said this yesterday, if you just simply disbelieve every single thing the media says, you're right almost 100% of the time. Now, this time you're going to get caught because you got two different guys saying two different things. So you're going to have to end your losing streak here by, by picking a side. But this has just gotten stupid. Also, as part of the report, he's going to give us an answer on Tuesday, which again doesn't change anything. We already kind of know that there's a good chance it's coming on Tuesday, but we also know it may not happen on Tuesday. So there's no point in even speculating on any of this. This is all stupid. In other news, we found out that David Bakhtiari is getting married, actually got married yesterday. Interestingly enough, Aaron Rodgers was out there, as was Matt LaFleur, which is really interesting because Matt LaFleur, as of a couple days ago, was just in Indy. So apparently he left the combine and flew out to uh, California to be a part of David Bakhtiari's wedding that Aaron Rodgers was officiating. And uh, Mike Silver found out about this and ran to social media, which again, as I said, trying to get these guys to elaborate is stupid because if they have information, they just they just vomit it out of their mouth. They, they can't stop. It's just, it, they, they, it, there's no retention. It's just, it, as soon as it comes in, it gets shot out. This is their whole life. I have information. I'm important. Here's my information. Look how powerful I am. I know these things that nobody else knows. Well, it got a response from David Bakhtiari when he found out that Mike Silver blasted out this private information. He said, Mike, dot, 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 what in the actual... He just, he just blurted out a private thing, right? This is, this is a, again, think about the fact that Matt LaFleur snuck away. Nobody even noticed the guy was there, and then he wasn't there. And, and it's not like it's a big deal, because a lot of coaches didn't even decide to go. But the fact is, he was there, and then left, and nobody noticed. Everybody, 24-7, wants to know what Rodgers is doing, what's going on, all these different things. Everybody wants to know these things, and it wasn't made public by anybody. It was never mentioned in the press conference by uh, Matt LaFleur. It never came up on Pat McAfee's show. Why? Because they want this to be private. And so apparently he says that he apologized to him and everything. He didn't take the tweet down. He left that up so more people can find it and everything else. But um, he then retweeted, oh, sorry, I talked to David Bakhtiari, which again, I, I think this whole thing is still just a giant flex. I don't think he feels bad. I think it's 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 further corroborated. Oh, yeah, so David Bakhtiari's mad at me. He was so happy when David Bakhtiari commented on that because now nobody has to speculate whether it's true or whether he's... A, nope, he actually had the information and David Bakhtiari just verified it. And he got to quote tweet that and say, oh, I just had a great conversation with David Bakhtiari. I just pulled out my phone and 
Got him on speed dial right there. David Bakhtiar called him up. Hey, buddy, how you doing, man? Haven't talked in like eight seconds because we talk all the time. We're best friends. So sorry about that. Called him on his wedding day, too, by the way. <laughs> like, apologize tomorrow. Oh, I just had a, a, a conversation with David Bakhtiari, everybody. Guess what? And then he goes on. Oh, he's, he's one of the best guys in the league, and I'm grateful we're in a better place. Carry on. In other words, stop bugging me about this. We're best friends. We love each other. I call him on his wedding day and bother him for the second time after ruining his wedding. And I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Sorry to interrupt, but if you could just say it's, you know, if you could just forgive me real quick so I can run to Twitter and tell everybody we're friends, that'd be great. All of this should be private. David Bakhtiari's wedding is private. Your conversation with David Bakhtiari should have been private, but it wasn't. Why? Because he felt the need to go to Twitter and tell everybody. I mean, it's kind of pathetic, but this is just what these guys live for. So again, no need to ask for elaboration. If they have the information, they're going to tell us. In fact, if they don't have the information, they're going to tell us. This is why, and again, I said I, I love this so much, the Florio thing, and um, the reason why they're getting so much information wrong right now is I think is people are just flat out lying to them and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to stop. They don't know what to, if, if, if I'm not the guy that just blasts out information that I find, what am I? But you can't keep doing it because now you're just wrong all the time. I, I have almost no doubt in my mind on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers, whether he's going to make his, his decision or not, or however that's going to work out, I'm very confident that Pat McAfee's going to do his job and say, well, you know, we've had some more, uh, had some more news out there, Rodgers. Apparently, you've got deals on the table with four teams. And you get to pick. Is that, is that what happened? And Rodgers is going to laugh and say, no. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. These guys don't know how to stop. And so if you have any way of getting in touch with Mike Florio and pretending to be an insider and pumping him information, please do it all the time. Because they need to learn to adapt. They got to change what they're doing. And I, I think in general, things are just changing. There's new mediums of, of media out there. You got the, um, you know, you got former players that are doing their thing. They got their shows. They get way better content. They're way more informed. They're way more interesting. They have big players on their show that tell them the truth, that break news on their show. Florio has nothing. He's got nothing but a garbage opinion, a stale, ridiculous show with a sycophant co-host who just like worships him and doesn't dare cross him. And it's, just, it's such a weird, creepy thing. And it's like a guy just stroking his ego for an hour, pretending he has inside sources or, you know, I'm sure he's got something, but it's, it's, it's working against him, whatever it is. Whatever it is he has that used to work for him in the past is going to break his show in half because he is a joke right now. He's a complete joke. And maybe he used to just lie in the past all the time and just got away with it because nobody would ever call him out. But now it's, it's within a week he's going to get called out as a liar. And he can just not care and ride this off into the sunset as his numbers continue to plummet all he wants. But those numbers are going to get pulled in other directions. You got that other guy, what, Compton or whatever, starting a show. You got other former players and other guys that are just aren't even players that just put together better content. Go to YouTube. ESPN is ridiculous. If, you, if you're watching cable to get your, your, your sports fix, I don't know why you're doing that. Go over to YouTube, man. So anyways, yes, more news, more exciting, interesting news. That doesn't mean anything. And um, again, I'll, I'll be happy when we finally get our answer because... This is all we're going to be talking about until we do. It's going to be breaking news. I'm going to tell you that the breaking news is not news, and you can stop sending me text messages asking me about it and, uh, you know, rinse and repeat. But anyways, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.